Chapter Ten of A Little Queen of Hearts. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Elaine Conway, England. A Little Queen of Hearts by Ruth Ogden. Chapter Ten. A Night of the Garter Party. And now as albert would say here we are for a comfort back at windsor and just in time too for there is something special on hand and somebody else is just in time as well somebody who was not expected and who i fear is not wanted marie celeste seated in the library window and busy in transferring some great luscious strawberries from a plate on the seat beside her to a basket in her lap is the first to discover a familiar little figure turning in at the gate bother she exclaims her pretty face all of a scowl what's the matter asks harold who is on his knees on the floor trying to make some very stiff wrapping paper accommodate itself to the edges and corners of a generous box of luncheon and is quite too preoccupied to look up bother enough who do you suppose is coming up the path as large as life albert if you please and he's all alone and that means that margaret has left him at the corner and that he has come to spend the day bother i say too exclaims harold we can't send him home and with aunt lou up in london there's no one to leave him with here and of course we can't take him oh why did he happen to come to-day but the truth of it was that albert had not happened to come at all his visit had been deliberately planned for precisely this hour could any one suppose for a moment that he could hear all the beautiful plans for a night of the guard to-day discussed in his presence and never make an effort to have a hand in it to be sure the children had tried to keep the date a close-guarded secret but albert had got wind of it all the same and here he was bright and fresh as the day itself marching up the path his little blue sack folded carefully over one arm and an inviting luncheon hamper swinging from the other fortunately considering the ungracious mood of the two children in the library his first encounter chanced to be with donald who arrayed in the white and blue of his summer sailor suit was bending over the pansy bed gathering a few beauties into a bunch from marie celeste and so absorbed in his task was he that he did not hear albert's tread upon the wall why where did you come from he said looking up surprised of course you knowed where i turned from donald albert replied in his literal fashion but where do you suppose i'm doing to london town laughed donald to whom it had not occurred to regard albert's arrival as likely to interfere with the day's programme no i'm doing on your night of tagata party well that's cool whispered marie celeste concealed by the curtain and yet near enough to hear all that was said through the open window who asked you queried donald dat's de only trouble donald dey don't ask me his little face growing sorely worried as he spoke but i guess it was a mistake don't you i shouldn't wonder for the little fellow's aggrieved look was really piteous to see 
but how did you get permission to go albert oh i just told mamma you were all doing and i just begged and begged till she said i could do too and donald i didn't exactly tell her i wasn't invited cause i knowed it must be a mistake bless his heart whispered harold who was also listening by this time under screen by the, of the curtain the cunning thing said marie celeste and so it was easy to see that two hard hearts were slowly but surely relenting perhaps they thought i was too little but i'm not donald really i can walk all day and carry my own coat and basket besides i don't believe harold will ever have another night to guard today do you no now's your chance i guess said donald kindly slipping a great purple and yellow pansy into one of the buttonholes of albert's little filled shirt as he spoke where are the children anyway asked albert wonderfully reassured by donald's courteous reception won't you find em for me please donald and tell dem i won't be a badder nor ask questions and i'll just eat my own lunch and all this the hard hearts relented altogether and harold rushed out and gave albert a toss in the air that was very threatening to the eggs in the luncheon basket and as soon as he was on terra firma again marie celeste gave him a good hard hug and both begged his pardon half a dozen times over for ever assuming for a moment that he was too little and intimated that they felt very small indeed themselves to think they had been so unfeeling as to plan not to include him in the expedition and so matters were beautifully adjusted and the night of the garter party set out with harold harris student and devoted admirer of the grand old knighthood filling the important role of interpreter and guide and where did they go first but to the castle preferring to save until the last because the best the choir of st george's where the banners of the knights are hung and where the knights are duly installed on the way harold held forth marie celeste and donald walking one on either side of him and albert determined not to miss a word trotting along at a sort of sidewise angle just in front and yet careful to keep well out of the way too for fear of the remotest chance of boddering now to begin said harold you know a knight at first was just a young man who had proved himself strong enough and brave enough to wear armour and be a soldier and after that there came to be orders of knights you remember i told you the other day what an order was and how the order of the knights of the garter happened to be started yes they remembered that but no one remembered that poor little albert had not been present on that occasion and so knew nothing whatever about it but albert so very thankful in his heart that he had been allowed to come at all did not dare to mention of the same where are we going first asked marie celeste who unlike poor albert felt herself at perfect liberty to ask every question that occurred to her to the banqueting hall because it has more to do with the knights than any other room in the castle oh yes that's where they have the garter and the cross of st george woven even into the pattern of the carpet and what about st george 
who was he nobody knows marie celeste he is supposed to have been a soldier in the roman army and to have killed a monstrous dragon that no one else could overcome and at last after being dreadfully tortured for his faith in christianity he is also supposed to have died a martyr's death is supposed isn't very satisfactory harold no it isn't but it can't be helped indeed they knew so little about him way back even in the fifth century that one of the popes when he made up a list of the saints said he was one of those whose names are justly reverenced among men but whose actions are known only to god you talk just like a book remarked donald to whom harold with his knowledge of men and things was a never-ceasing wonder and good reason why for i got it out of a book don't you remember i told you i'd studied all up about it oh yes as though thankful there was some sort of explanation for such uncanny erudition but how does this saint george come to be mixed up with the knights of the garter asked marie celeste this is the way of it you know what the crusades were marie celeste nodded yes but intimating with a significant glance in the direction of donald and albert that probably they did not harold took the hint and began over again well over so many years ago great armies of men went out from england to try and get possession of the holy land and each time an army went out they called it a crusade and on the first one the leader of the army prayed to st george to help him and as he was very successful that made st george's name very famous then afterward richard cord a lion when he went to the holy land put himself under st george's protection and from that time he became the patron saint of england and that means albert for albert looked the question he longed to ask that england regarded him as the saint who would help her most and be her special guardian yes said marie celeste since harold apparently considered he had come to a natural pause in the narrative but you haven't told us what st george and the knights of the garter have to do with each other so i haven't well all the connection that i know of is that every year a feast in honour of st george was ordered to be kept as a holiday and that the order of the garter was founded on that day st george's day and that so the cross of st george and the garter of the knights came to be a sort of double emblem for the order by this time the children had reached the norman gate and crossing the quadrangle harold led the way into the state apartments and being well known to most of the guides of the castle was allowed with his little party to pass on unattended and to make his way straight to the grand banqueting hall for the moment they entered the castle donald was of no use as far as receiving instruction was concerned this being his first visit to any castle whatever he was far too astonished and overawed by everything he saw to be able to think of applying his mind to mere historical detail let harold hold forth as eloquently as he chose about this old knight or that old armour for him there might never be another visit to this wonderful place and he was going to see it all in his own way harold and marie celeste were at first very much disgusted at his utter disregard of the object of their visit 
but disgust gradually gave way to amusement and the tale of the chivalrous old knights was even suspended for a while that they might watch the little fellow's peculiar methods of letting nothing escape him gazing in rapt wonder he moved from one point to another wholly absorbed in his surroundings and oblivious to the presence of any one beside himself now he was standing in admiration before the great oak chair of state beneath the organ gallery but now nothing loath he mounts the steps that lead to it and runs a finger along the curves of its elaborate carving and then with a most reverent air touches the embroidered cross and garter with which it is decorated all this is making very free with state belongings and one of the guides in charge of a small party of visitors starts towards him in a decidedly menacing manner but harold intercepts him and explains and the guide himself much amused decides to leave unmolested this gallant little tar of her majesty's and now donald seeks out a corner of the room and deliberately stretches himself on the floor clasping his hands under the back of his head this is done the better taking elaborate ceiling decorated as it is with the armorial bearings of the knights of five centuries and now with an arm upraised and extended finger he is entering into some mathematical calculation of his own in connection with the banners that hang just beneath the ceiling and now what does the boy do but suddenly exchange his vertical position for one quite the reverse and turn up his attention to the carpet for did not harold say it was woven in some special way on purpose yes sure enough here is the cross of st george in the centre of each little panel and here crossing to the edge of the room the beautiful circle of the gator worked into the design of the border oh but it is a wonderful place and there are probably other rooms just as wonderful so a little closer look at the brass shields and the helmets and the portraits of the sovereigns ranged along one side and then wholly unsuspicious of any disapproval he walks over to the children and remarks that now he would like to see the other rooms please his delight in it all and naive unconsciousness anything unusual in his behaviour are altogether irresistible and harold and marie celeste after a whispered conference decide to suspend night of the garder reminiscences for the time being and make the tour of the castle with him albert who has found much of harold's narration quite beyond him but has never let on for one moment hails the announcement with great inward rejoicing and the little quartet make their way to the guard chamber as the place next in interest in every room donald brings his own peculiar methods of investigation to bear not in the least minding a good deal of mirthful laughter at his expense on the part of harold and marie celeste and albert feeling privileged to join in the general merriment though evidently half the time without in any wise appreciating the situation only helps on the jollity of things then when at noon by special permission of a very lenient guardsman the children established themselves for luncheon on a terrace beneath the shade of the round tower marie celeste and albert and harold agree that they had never had such fun never well you may call it fun 
says donald quite willing that they should but i call it something better than that the grandest time i ever had that's what i call it but all the sights were not seen yet and for the members of the little party who still adhered to the night of the garter research the best was yet to come in st george's chapel entering at the door at the south front and crossing to the centre the children passed directly into the choir which is really a chapel in itself and to them of special interest because the very place where the ceremony of installing the knights is performed harold led the way to the farther end and they took their seats on the steps of the chancel behind them the light fell softly through the stained glass of the window over the altar above them waved the knights silken banners and just below each banner hung the sword mantle and helmet of the knight whose crest is bore mounted against a background of elaborate carving it was of course the spot of spots for any one who like harold had been initiated into all the mysteries by which present at an installation and he did justice by being present at an installation and he did justice to the occasion by this time even donald whose powers of endurance were not yet the strongest was content to sit by an apparent listener but much that harold had to tell having little interest for him he resorted to that little trick to which some discriminating ears readily lend themselves of listening to what appealed to him and letting the rest go with albert matters were reversed he had completely lapsed from his humble estate of the morning when he felt in duty bound to at least pretend to be an attentive listener and when they reached the chapel already such a familiar place to him he no longer even tried to keep up appearances a great big collie belonged to the verger mr brown sometimes made so bold as to steal in unbeknownst and curl up on the cool marble in a dark corner of the choir and albert who knew the corner well at once slipped away in the hope of finding him yes there he was in the old place dear audacious old timothy stretched close along the wall in the deep shadow of the queen's own stall as though well aware that it was the one spot where he might reasonably expect to escape observation hush timothy said albert approaching him on tiptoe but the warning was quite unnecessary nothing was farther from timothy's thoughts and to make any disturbance whatever why should he were they not the best of friends he and that blessed little albert so he never raised his head from where it rested upon his outstretched paws only look up with that gaze of implicit confidence peculiar to the kind eyes of the laverick setter and which made albert lose not a second in spreading his little coat out beneath him throwing his two arms around timothy's neck and pillowing his head on his beautiful silky coat now it is not granted to laverick setters to purr in pussy's demonstrative fashion but they have a subdued little grateful purr of their own distinctly audible to an ear placed as close as albert's chanced to be 
and timothy at once indulged in the same outwardly however not a sound was to be heard only the experienced eye and ear could appreciate how intense were the depths of his canine satisfaction we've had an awful good time this morning timothy albert confided in a whisper we've been all over the castle learning about knights of the garter Howard knows an awful lot about em but i'm tired of em and i don't care to hear any more i'd rather stay here with you timothy there please move that paw a little that's it now timothy keep very still please please don't snap for that fly will they hear you still timothy while i stroke your head like this till till and the subject was dropped indefinitely now if there are any questions you would like to ask said Harold, for dear as was a subject to him he really could think of nothing more to tell indeed there are said marie celeste who had conscientiously tried not to interrupt though there were a dozen lines along which she desired information first will you tell me if they ever let the ladies have any part in all the feasting and good times you have told about oh yes there was a time when the wives of the knights were called ladies of the society of the garter and they used to be allowed to wear violet-coloured or white cloth robes furred as one old book says and embroidered with garters the number of garters depended on their rank but in the reign of king henry the eighth for some reason that branch of the order was given up by the way henry the eighth is buried just yonder pointing a few feet away as a rule vault right under those tiles and charles the first whose head cromwell cut off is buried there too you don't mean it well donald was all attention the second there was anything so thrilling as cut-off heads in the wind now there's another thing i'd like to know said marie celeste and that is how long do they let a knight's banner hang there because when a new knight is made his banner has to be put up somewhere yes of course and so when a man dies they take away everything except the brass plate at the back of the stall that belonged to him and that has his name on and all his titles i like the american way of not having any titles said donald seems to me they're an awful fuss and bother of course you don't believe in them marie celeste well i don't exactly care for the titles and such a ridiculous lot of letters coming after one's name but i should think it would be nice to know who your great-grandfather was and that he was a gentleman into the bargain for that's what some of the titles mean you know come down from father to son for centuries i'd be satisfied just to know who my own father was said donald with a sigh and marie celeste wished she had not said anything to bring that sad fact to mind did you say harold she asked by way of quickly changing the subject that edward the third who founded the order of the garter built this chapel no but i said that the chapel that he did build and dedicated to st george stood right where the square is now 
this chapel was commenced a hundred years later and the old one torn down well said donald getting onto his feet one way and another i've learned a great deal to-day just about as much as i can hold seems to me yes i'm tired too marie celeste admitted but we're ever so obliged it's been very interesting but look here donald before we go i want to show you something and she led the way to the stall of one of the knights see said marie celeste pushing the seat of the stall from beneath so that it folded up against the back thereby bringing to view a queer little wooden projection about six inches wide now donald will you believe that is all the seats the old knights used to have in these stalls they've preserved them in this way just as a curiosity things are more comfortable for them now you see but in the old times they were afraid the knights would go to sleep during the service and so made them uncomfortable to keep them awake not a bad idea mused donald as though he had more than once in his life experienced a similar temptation well i think it was then said marie celeste decidedly this church is enough in itself to keep a man awake if he has any thoughts to think no matter how dull the sermon might happen to be but then i know with an insinuating shrug of the shoulders some men and boys too i suppose never do have any thoughts to think if they're not eating or being amused sleep's the only thing for them there was a whimsical little look in donald's face which an american street gamin would have interpreted as what are you giving us he did not say anything however and just then harold who had strolled on by himself came toward them with his face aglow with merriment i believe speaking to donald you said you'd like to see a live knight of the garter now come right along quickly and i'll show you one what could he mean donald and marie celeste elbowed each other in their haste to discover and in the next moment sure enough there he was right before them he was only a little knight to be sure not only four and sound asleep at that with one arm thrown around a dog who was also sound asleep a knight he was however beyond all dispute for there was the unmistakable blue garter plainly visible and in exactly the same place too on the left leg just below the knee he had not meant that any one should know it such a modest little knight was he but alas the weakness of drowsiness had overtaken the valiant little fellow and in the disorder thereon attendant the shapely little limb had thrust itself forth from the folds of the protecting kilt and there was the garter plainly visible to the most casual passer-by yes we believe it said marie celeste stooping down for closer inspection on e soit qui mal e pence as large as life in gold letters running all round it just as near the real thing as possible donald and harold were on the eve of laughing outright but marie celeste detecting a suspicious blinking in the long curling lashes of the eyelids 
kept them still by an imperative gesture yes ladies and gentlemen she said imitating exactly old brown's tone and accent when showing visitors through the chapel this is a monument erected to the memory of a knight who was killed in battle together with his noble palfrey it represents him as he was found one arm around the neck of his faithful charger at this the knight's lips also betrayed a certain uncontrollable twitching the smile upon his face is considered one of the chief charms of the statue but the way that we know that he is a knight in fact the only way is by this blue garter round his knee at this the little limb was suddenly drawn up that the tell-tale garter might be hid from view and then able to stand it no longer albert looked up entreatingly to the children above him and blushingly explained dorothy made it for me just for a bit of fun you know and then sure to a certainty that he never never would hear the end of that blue garter buried his blushes in timothy's long silky coat and rued the hour when dorothy had so merrily abetted his desire for this particular bit of fun End of chapter 10